0: Hey, American Express card members, you do not want to miss this. Now through December 31st, there is a big reason for you to shop small at local stores in your neighborhood. Learn more and enroll your eligible card today at AmericanExpress.com slash shop small offer. That's AmericanExpress.com slash shop small offer. Terms apply.
1: I need support staff to, to clear the room. Stand up and walk Now. now. Hello, and
0: welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan. I am an editor at TheRinger.com, and joining me in the studio from the third timeline, it's Andy Greenwald! Are there three timelines? We're gonna get to that. Can I choose
1: my timeline? That's
0: my guess? This is just, we're yes. talking about Westworld today, but first we're gonna talk a little bit about... Uh, Dave Chappelle on SNL, Tribe Called Quest on SNL, and the new Tri- Tribe Called Quest album.
1: Yes, t- Tribe Called Quest in general. I am excited hey, to talk about something beautiful. how are you doing? How are you doing? You're good? I'm cold. It's cold in here. <laughs> um, you know, I'm good. I, one thing that I've learned um, is that if you, you've learned this too because we saw each other over the weekend, if you decide to just take a little, little iron vacation from the internet and you basically quit Twitter, <laughs> yeah. you quickly turn into the guy who's like, you know, I, it's just that I'm a vegan. Have you guys ever considered veganism? Oh yeah, no, you guys I, want some cashew I, I didn't grow butter up with TV? <laughs> yeah, like you literally become the guy who's just like, well, we don't even own a television. Have
0: you had any experience? Have you since you've sort of taken um, taken this break? Yeah. from social media, That's has great, anybody come up to you and been like, "Yo, aliens landed in Pasadena," and you're like, "What?"
1: Some people have I done made gestures to me that I can only assume are memes that I just don't oh, yeah. know about yet. Yeah. You know, they've referenced a lot of things that I wasn't aware of. I think probably one of the Sometimes reasons you said why... he was
0: like, damn Daniel, and you were like, who's Daniel? Oh, what's that? <laughs> what did Daniel do?
1: <laughs> one of the reasons why I'm so cold, I think, is because I no longer have the, 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 the blazing heat of a thousand takes to warm yeah. myself yeah, with.
0: Yeah, your blood well, pressure drops.
1: Um, I, think it's very, I think it's very healthy. I, I feel better. Um, you know, I, I also think... Uh, I don't even mean to pivot, because, oh. you know... Who needs structure when you're doing a podcast? But I do think that certain things have brought me some uh, some excitement and happiness. Let's like, talk about those like, things, like Tribe Called Quest. Yeah,
0: um, obviously a very big band for us, a very big group for us in our lives. Uh Tribe Called Quest uh, was one of the seminal sort of golden age of hip hop groups of between that that, that really fertile eighty eight to ninety two period that a lot of people consider like sort of the birth of contemporary or modern hip hop and and yeah. and in a, and a, and a Artistic or creative high watermark for the genre. Although I would argue that, in retrospect, if you look back, there really aren't really fallow periods for the genre. It Just depends on oh. where you're looking and what you're what you're doing. And I, you know, one of the things that's been interesting at the rear working with some younger people and talking with them and like you they know, all said, I what's still, a, tri- like, a still, called quest? I know, but I still like fuck with twenty one savage. Like I still like rap new yeah. rap music. You know what I mean? But you are forced. I think. I think rap rap. Fab replenishes its its ground soil. You know what I mean. Like it's and it's like it's not necessary. Like the it's such a youth oriented um, form of expression. And I think that you are often confronted with your own age and your own mortality as you move on. So that being said, to have a group that I associate so heavily mm-hmm. with, like a younger time in my life, come back and be so creatively forceful. Is really inspiring and beautiful, if also bittersweet, because it's made in the shadow of, of Fife no longer being with us.
1: I agree with that. I I, I also think that it's particularly interesting because, I agree with you. I think hip hop springs eternal, but it is like like much popular music. I don't mean just pop. I mean rock as well, um, primarily. A youthful exercise yeah. are often considered at its best as a youthful exercise and hip hop doesn't have maybe it's because it's not as old as rock and roll but it, it historically hasn't had the same it hasn't welcomed the elders very often you know well, it's people even, have it's, aged gracefully it hasn't gracefully. welcomed the
0: elders and it's really difficult to grow I mean, old in grow old. Rap.
1: yeah um, and what's so striking to me about this album, uh, I mean, think about the, the name of the album is We've Got It From Here, Thank You, basically, right? Like, what's it called? Is that, is that what it's called? Did I get it wrong? We
0: Got It From Here, Thank You For Your Service. Thank you for
1: your service. Um, there is a sense that I, and something that I needed very much in in my own life, some trusted old friends and elders coming back to literally lift up a culture, to lift up people. Jack White. And Jack White. So we'll come back to that point. But... Um, but it, I, I can't believe how thrilling and inspiring this album is. I think that, um, you know, everybody—I think people were excited for to have a tribe called Quest back. I think, obviously, the shadow of Fife's passing, looming over it, was very profound, and people wanted to see him celebrated. People loved his music yeah. and, and to have a chance to hear him one more time. But. You know, you don't you don't get alternate timelines, so we don't know how this album would have been received had there been a different um, news headline last week. But to my mind, which is obviously a, a slightly tender place, um, this is this is a vital piece of post Trump art, even though it was not created unintentionally. So, Un- very much unintentionally. So, um, there, there. Well, there's there's two things. I mean, there's the fact that like "We the People," second track on it. Is essentially is 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 essential. Let's stop right there. Um, in the way that it feels, and the way that it sounds, in the subject matter, in its sort of defiant inclusiveness, which I think is really, um, really, really moving. Um, but you you want to jump in on? I mean,
0: I think. I mean, I am I'm really impressed by the by uh, the production on it. It it manages to capture some of the. Um, Melodic and tonal stuff that the earlier Tribe records like Low in Theory and Midnight Marauders did. Some of the incorporation of jazz and 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 sort of Dan- de-
1: dance hall. deep. And that's like
0: the and 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 uh, uh, yeah, like the what's that one? Black Spasmodics like was just like oh god, that song's so good. And I think one of the things that it does well is slightly updates that sound. It's not just like sample sample with a drum no. loop. Like not that that's what they ever were. I mean, they used to play samples the way, and they were part of. They used to play samples like their instruments, and they were part of a, a coterie of like musicians around that time, like Pete Rock and and Large Professor and Havoc from Mob Deep, who were able to sort of orchestrate mm-hmm. soundscapes and 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 songs out of found. Found objects, basically about a vinyl that they they had picked up anywhere from a, a thrift store to you know one hundred dollar a twelve inch Japanese only vinyl twelve inch of a can beat. You know what I mean? Uh, it's this is a very spiritual record. I the, the thing that I come away with, and it's a little bit tough. And I think Donny Quacken is his piece on the rear today was kind of grappling with this as well. Is that it's a little bit more? I think by by nature of how it was finished, and also just by the just sh- sheer force of his artistic genius, is it's, it's a kind of a Q tip record, you know? It,
1: it's a thousand percent a Q tip record, and and another thing to think about is the the, the feuding that was that existed between yeah, Fife Dog yeah, and Yeah, which you can Q-tip.
0: see in Rappaport's doc pretty clear.
1: Yeah. And, and you know th- there was a great Time story last week about how this album came to be and how haunted the surviving members still are about uh, Fife's passing. Q-Tip insisted that everyone be physically present in his studio in New Jersey.
0: His studio, which has uh, bamboo floors uh, and pink moonlighting and just, like, books everywhere. And, yeah, that... that Joe and
1: Tate, take notes. That's what we (laughs) want for our studio, too.
0: Um, That was a... It was a really big point of of uh, it was basically an unbreakable part of of making the record. Is that if it you wanted to, be together. to, if you you could, if you wrote your verse, you you had to perform it in front of other people. You yeah. had to be a part of like the it, the sort of drum circle that was happening. there. So
1: I wonder if had Fife been in had been healthier, whether he would have allowed Q Tip to basically micromanage and essentially make this. Be the creative director of this record. Yeah, it sounds like he
0: was pretty healthy going into the process and that he wore down over the course of making the record. At least that's what I gathered from the Torrey article in the Times about the the making of the album.
1: But Q Tip, here's the thing. I mean, a couple other things obviously to say about the record and and about the performance on SNL, which we will say, I hope, but we forget that Q Tip is a genius. Yeah, it's because he. And and not just as a rapper, but I remember like a couple years ago when we were. when uh i remember when kanye was making my beautiful dark twisted fantasy and and uh you know he was basically he was he was like running versailles for for for, for hip-hop of just like bringing the greatest <laughs> yeah. things from the world and the kingdoms to him in, in hawaii. hawaii yeah q-tip was all over that record and all over the production on a lot of the tracks that ended up being good friday tracks and i remember thinking well of course like he brought tribe called quest on tour with them, like mm-hmm. of course kanye reaches to q-tip because kanye is our age and Tribe Called Quest is hugely in, in, influential, but it, I didn't, I was still surprised that he was looking to Q-Tip as a producer, as a musician, considering Q-Tip had been kind of quiet in terms of making his own music, mm-hmm. despite, I mean, he has a beat on Illmatic, it's not like he is new to this. Yeah, he has Drink away the Pain on, on, um, on the infamous Mob Deep. But you hear this and you're like, oh, he actually is kind of a genius and a visionary and not just one of the great and in some ways underrated rappers of all time, because this sonically this album is thrilling. Yeah,
0: it's so rich, and it's really cool. I mean, it has everything from, uh, like we talked about, like reggae, dancehall, kraut rock, funk, Jack White plays a bunch on it, Elton John. Elton John I'm Piano. Tickling the Ivories. Uh, but ultimately, it's one of the great pleasures of the record is just the reintroducing yourself to Q-Tips Flow, which is yes. probably one of my two or three favorites in the history of rap, and just that like Nasally staccato, finding like little pockets inside of spaces in between beats. It's just like one of the more original sounds that I've heard in my life. and it, it it's just so great to have that back. And Busta sounds like really good. It is wild.
1: You, 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 you think about, <laughs> In many ways, the the message, if it if the if it had come out in a non election week, the takeaway from this record probably would have been the track with Andre three thousand, who right. is probably the other all time great. And uh, is, and he has flow-assist. articulated the
0: best. It, he really articulates the way the Q tip kind of paved the way for him, Pharrell, Kanye to feel like the normal guy was like a possibility to be. That's that's a the normal The normal, a, ar- the, the normal person is an archetype to be in rap music. Yeah.
1: But on that track, the track Kids, about basically being like, well, we understand why kids are a little disaffected, but like older people can bring it. Um, that's sort of the takeaway from the record to me in a lot of ways. Um, can you bring it? No, I can't. <laughs> so I find it deeply inspiring that, that, that he can. Yeah. You know, and and I was, you mentioned Buster Rhymes. Like, obviously, Buster Rhymes came into uh, the public consciousness in a big way when he, when, you know, when he Kool-Aid manned the beat on the scenario uh-huh. remix, Triple Cold Quest scenario remix. He's had a remarkably long career, but you hear him on these beats and with his friends in this studio, and Jesus Christ, he's good. (laughs) Yeah, And you think about how hip-hop hasn't served him well because, you know, with the trend-chasing and him having to be on track... You know, a couple years ago, there was a track that he did with... um, I'm going to blank on it now. It was with French Montanas on it, you know, and it's perfectly good. I enjoy it. I like listening to those dudes rap, but for Busta Rhymes to be rapping on it about being a Coke dealer... You know, it, sure, maybe. Like, we can all take on different roles in our <laughs> lives and in our career. But, like, this is not what he is best at. Give yeah. him the space. Let him do what he does. Yeah, Let him I mean, have fun. He's playing, his,
0: he's playing his, his flow as an instrument. It's always been an instrument. You know what I mean? Like, he's lyrically, like, he is what he is. And you can take a leave leave, like, what he says. But his... The way he raps is inimitable, and it's actually like pretty prodigious, and in it's in, in, in it's talent. There's
1: this there's this moment late in the record. Um, one of my favorite tracks is Conrad Tokyo, which yeah. is this sort of this yeah, nonsensical yeah. jazz odyssey, and Fife is on it, and Fife's wonderful. And then after Fife comes Kendrick Lamar, who who attacks a rhythm in a beat like q tip like an Andre 3000, you know, and and is just like, uh, soul-elevating. It's so exciting when he comes onto the Mm -hmm. track. And one of the best things about it is that they put Kendrick on that track. They didn't put him on, like, Disgeneration, which is this, like, wonderful celebration of what Tribe has always sounded like. They put him on this spacey, weirdo odyssey, and they put him next to Fife. And I feel like you could never do more of a... It's hard to imagine a bigger tribute to Fife, to to a guy who was, I think, often unfairly dismissed, you know, as kind of a jokester and a party rapper in some ways. Fife. And then you put him next to this guy who many people consider to be a modern-day poet, and they sound great next to each other. Oh, yeah. Also, like, what a gift to have Fife just say, like, Tony Romo, Hittin' Witten, <laughs> Like, just a few of these things that you kind of knew that he could still do. Um, I, I can't—I'm I, I, still—I'm floored how good the record was. I'm f- and then to have them be um, back this week, to have them be on SNL, and to see Before Q- we go today. to
0: SNL, can I ask you a yeah. quick question? Yeah. F- favorite Tribe album?
1: Oh, I was gonna yeah, I was gonna bring this up. So Midnight Marauders. Me too. You too. Yes. I thought that was gonna be a little contentious. Uh favorite tribe song. Oh Jesus. Um <laughs> You gotta prepare me when we do this stuff. Um I mean, lyrics to go, maybe? Uh that's one I like a lot.
0: Uh, I'm going with scenario l p remix or the uh, like the remix yeah. of the scenario that was the original version with hood on it before he died, and there was much different version of it, but it's it's still I still remember the first time I heard it on w p r b shout out to Princeton taping it late at night on their rap show on like a Wednesday night, and I always thought it was like a dream that I had before I <laughs> finally found the vinyl of it like a year or two later uh, or years later um but that is like
1: you should, we should say one of the things that like you knowing that track and having access to it on putting on a mixtape for me was that's essential <laughs> yeah. that was like people are like what can you it was like the Hunger Games like what can this new person bring to the friend yeah, group society like, you're <laughs> like well I'm not so good with like making fire but I do have the that scenario that was actually remix. a tape though that
0: I had that, that it was like a tape of a PRB broadcast that then you know like tapes did broke the, the the tape came out, tape. and I was like, "That's you just... let your tape rock till the tape popped." And uh, and it wasn't until they started doing Jive reissued a bunch of twelve inches of their stuff, and that was on there. I was like, "Ah, uh, well, my life life's complete." I'm nineteen. <laughs> I mean,
1: how, I mean, I would say high school was def- for me was defined by Midnight Marauder. It was Midnight Marauders. um Cypress Hill's Black Sunday was kind of big in That's high school. That's crazy. I know. I know. I'm not always proud of everything, but this is a safe Over space. Over the
0: first, su- the self-titled Cypress Hill record?
1: Yeah, Black Sunday was a big one. The first one was better, but the second one came out when I was uh, definitely uh, driving in cars mode. Um, <laughs> and, uh, uh, and, and and Wu-Tang, and Wu-Tang, first Wu-Tang record. Yeah. But, um, Let's talk about SNL, though. Wait, last point. Yeah. You, you. I, I just want to say, like, I think we probably said this when we were talking about Fife in the podcast. But you know, the the day that the fourth Tribe Called Quest album dropped in July of ninety six, yes. that was a foundational moment in our friendship. Yeah, that's when we met. We ran into each other on the street. Yeah, in, in Philly. <laughs> I was like, going to the midnight sale. Yeah, and I was, I was
0: uh, trying to decide whether or not to see Train Spotting
1: for the nineteenth time. Yeah, right. Um, I, it's it's mind blowing to me that this album is good and that we have it right now and we kind of need it. And um, it was a
0: very moving performance on just, SNL this weekend.
1: It really. I mean, that's the other thing. Like, like, I, I it's it's interesting to see the elders come back and to see um, basically Q Tip be on that stage and control the stage and be very inspiring. I mean, the tracks they chose to do, were were, were very telling mm-hmm. as well. Um, SNL. So you've
0: already like mentioned the the thing I think we can go into here is that like you've mentioned a couple of times the idea this idea of post Trump art and yeah. I think that that is going to be both a interesting stage from for art to perform from but also an albatross around its neck. And, totally. You know you can make the argument that everything from to kiss a butterfly and Black Messiah to like Fugazi's the argument which came out I don't know like ten years ago or something you know is that's all relevant art in a post-Trump world uh, and, but you know I, mean, I think you can make the you, it, it's an, it's important to view things for what they are sometimes
1: yes but and I also think that one of the themes in this conversation and in a lot of things going forward is when I listen to the new Tribe album and I'm like oh how prescient wow they really are aware of like a mood in the country that other people missed and it, and I'm thinking instead about Chappelle and Chris Rock in that sketch on Saturday Night Live this week where all the white people are shocked yeah um <laughs> We talked about privilege last week. It's part of the cultural conversation to use words like that. Rightfully so, probably no greater privilege than to be completely shocked when the world doesn't work the way you want it sure. to. Sure. Um, so i i I completely I completely agree with that. I mean, the work is the work, and then the way it's received is is often a very different thing.
0: Right. But Saturday Live is in a particularly interesting position because it is supposed to be this. Um, it's supposed to reflect something, I think, and it's. Ideally, it's supposed to reflect something, and, it, and what it reflects is it changes over depending on the cast, depending on the mm-hmm. times. Um, obviously, Chappelle, I thought was like Chappelle, like he's just like one of a kind, and and God, I was great, I yeah. laughed a lot, and I also thought a lot. Uh, it, it you know remains to be seen how I, f- I don't really know how I feel about the show itself, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I think that the the show tries to have it its cake and eat it too. A lot Um, I'm not so sure like Saturday might have been a little early for that
1: I couldn't um, watch it at all this fall I didn't I didn't watch any of the Alec Baldwin sketches I just I wasn't feeling that even then um, even though they may have just because
0: it was like you're making a comic character I I, I just wasn't
1: ready to start a lot I don't know I mean I I I, I, I just didn't want more Mm -hmm. you know I felt so saturated already with with everything that we've we're going through and continue to go through in the opening, which is the, you know, and I haven't seen any takes because I'm off, man. I'm off yeah, the yeah. grid. I'm basically just eating potatoes that I cooked myself and grew I myself. I could just
0: like say Westworld theories to you yeah. and you just be
1: like, sounds good. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Tell me more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so they, but the Kate McKinnon opening, uh, I don't know how I feel about that. I think I feel pro and con. The thing that struck me when I watched it was I, I saw the stage. When they the camera swoops in, <laughs> in a way that it usually doesn't on the monologue stage, Mm -hmm. which is what it was basically, unadorned other than the piano. And it swooped down, and I looked at the stage, and the stage looked mad scuffed up. And that was my takeaway from that that whole thing because it made me feel very charitably and kind of moved about Saturday Night Live in general as an institution Mm -hmm. because for all the things that change that you talk about, that stage stays there, and it is a platform. It is Mm -hmm. a soapbox, and it can be for one thing, it can be for something else. It was. it is It is a live electric place that Dave Chappelle can parachute in from self-imposed exile. Yeah, and, from rural Ohio. And own. Yeah. You know, in a time when, I guess, he wanted to do it or we wanted him to do it, and it just worked. You know, when people can just show up there. And I liked that part of it. I was also like, holy shit, Kate McKinnon. Very talented person. Yeah. Which I already knew. Um, I guess the feeling I had from that opening was the same sort of gut punch a little bit nausea that I think a lot of people have had you know I, they clearly didn't know what to do and that is an interesting thing for them to have wrestled with whether it was successful or not then Chappelle comes on and I just like you know what sometimes we need a hero and he is it's crazy that he was gone I mean he is one of the greatest stand-ups of all time he's one of the greatest just just charismatic presences you know you just kind of want to be around him and hear what he's going to say and I remember reading about when he returned to the stand-up stage he was doing like four or five hour like marathon sets right and sometimes he was just sitting there smoking (laughs) I would watch those shows you know I would watch those shows and then he came back and did that and was so funny and so like just slow pitch effortless when he was just like imagine he's like yeah imagine how hard this job isn't doing it while black yeah just like let that ride for a second It, it was a it was a tonic. Well, I, mean, I don't know. What else you to know what say. I kind of
0: like about Chappelle is that sometimes he fucks up, or sometimes yeah. he is, like when he went
1: to Africa and canceled his show, or when, he, or he's just
0: like riffing. You know what I mean? Like I love r- r- riffing as art, and I think that uh, you know we grew up. We had a bunch of. I think I, I don't really think of it happening as much now, although I'm sure I'm wrong. Of people, I mean, Kanye is pretty close to this, but it's. Um, this idea that you're working it out in public, that mm-hmm. you're like playing with ideas, and that it's not a pure entertainment play, that it is like a creative, you're a creative expression play, that you're working something out, and that you need the crowd to be the canvas, mm-hmm. but that you're not necessarily there for their pure enjoyment. Yeah, and I think that partially because of like the corporatization of 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 mass entertainment just never stops and never stops getting bigger and bigger the degree to which we expect professionalism or showmanship or a bow on something is really like you know and especially when you know interestingly enough I mean, like we it's very hard for television to do that it's hard for us to, like, watch an episode of television and be like, oh, they were they were working on some stuff there. It's interesting. We're Generally, pretty much, like, that didn't hit It's hard for us to accept that. Yes. But I
1: think in general, that's why TV is more interesting to me, um, certainly in terms of covering it, participating in it, than movies, because it is a work in progress.
0: That's interesting. Okay, yeah, right, because, like, the actual, by nature of the fact that it is a season or there are multiple episodes. when right, like, you can't
1: be perfect. Okay, but know?
0: so but whether it's Kanye kind of ranting, quote-unquote, which I think became, like— you know that that is what it is, but then the, you know when we were growing up, there would be just like, I mean, this is a really weird example because it's 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 not a it's not a perfectly it's not perfectly aligned with the politics of like the comparison, to be it Chappelle or, or Kanye. But I remember like those years after Kurt died, Kurt Cobain died, like watching Courtney Love, and it was definitely like voyeur, voyeuristic, and 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 it was sort of ghoulish to say like this is the grieving person that we're just going to kind of mm-hmm. make a public spectacle but you could also tell that she was sort of working out a lot of her own grief in public as a public celebrity mm-hmm. and that's not something that like even happens anymore it
1: seems like no and and that's one of the things that makes um i mean that that is i, I think that's a it's a good example i think it's a unique it, it's it is separate from chappelle because i think that Stand-up comedy somehow of all of these different media forms, including celebrity as a form of media at sure. this point or of a form of of a skill set or whatever, stand-up comedy that is what stand-up comedy is. It, it is it is living and dying in equal measure, not yeah. even metaphorically. Yeah. Um, so to see Chappelle, you know, the act doesn't change. It's like you know, if, if the Beatles were Meet the Beatles, where they had their haircuts, and when they came back for Sergeant Pepper, they were dressed a little bit differently. Slightly, yeah. Chappelle's just still on stage with the microphone. You know, yeah. all these comedians throughout their career, they just got the microphone. That, that doesn't change, and that's kind of amazing. And so to see Chappelle come back out, he's older. He looks different. He looks older. His voice was a little, this is the, the, the timbre of his voice, he was a little yeah, shakier almost at times, raspier. Um, there's an uncertainty to it. There was even a feeling like, does he even want to be here? Like, is this what he wants to do? And then when he said, I think I need to say this thing, and he told that monologue about going to the White House... You know, for him to be able to just play the notes of audience expectation mm-hmm. so expertly, um, these are the moments of I mean, it's exciting. It, these are the moments of thrilling and artistic anything that I think. That we were we were searching for, <laughs> yeah. Last week, um, we we all we, when we went and saw
0: Pablo a couple weeks ago. We I, was, the, I
1: was going to bring this up too, since we never talked about this. Yeah, we, we saw the Saint Pablo tour.
0: Yeah, and he uh, has like a very like when he does Runaway, he has like a very it's like a extended intro of just the pia- the piano note. It gets played, but we always kind of like hit each other, and we're like, remember the VMAs? I think it was it was the VMAs, or the, yeah. yeah, it was the VMAs. He debuted
1: the song at the VMAs, and he
0: debuted this song that no one had heard of, mm-hmm. uh and brought out Pusha, who was at that point not like a major, like mainstream rap figure, but was like sort of a cult hero. For
1: him to, for Kanye West to bring Pusha T out on stage in a salmon suit. Uh, that night was as if he had reached into our bodies and pulled out our hearts like Athena from the head of yeah, Zeus. And he I was, was like, playing, I can't believe this is real.
0: Playing an NPC while ballerinas yeah. danced in the background. Sure. And that was like, this is happening. This is amazing. This is like a beautiful work of art that's unfolding on this in this award show. And that those kinds of moments are too far and few between, and I think there's a lot of reasons for that. So it was... Beyond anything like any recriminations you might have for SNL, any any feelings you might have that SNL were complicit in in normalizing Trump by uh, I think, having him on and I, I think that joking about written, him when yeah. they could have just been like there's nothing funny about this person. Yeah. Um, I don't know that that would have helped the election, change the election, but it's certainly, I think that they have to reckon with that. No, you know,
1: w- one thing that I, I, one thing about the events of the last week that I feel confident in saying, despite not knowing if aliens have indeed landed or <laughs> anything else has happened in terms of the news, They're super nice. Um, <laughs> that's good to hear. I could use a little human, non-human kindness. Um, They're just like, what's up with w- Westworld? Fans? W- one, not there isn't one thing that made any of this happen. It is many things that led us to wherever we are at this moment, and you know I don't want the reductive thinking of like 140 characters saying, "If only this hadn't happened," yeah. because it's a, it's a culmination of many things. Um, one last thing, we we had a great time at the the drink if you thought we were going to end up on Kanye feel free to drink (laughs) I I know I am Um, we had a great time at the St. Pablo tour it was really visually stunning we saw it at the forum Um, is it over? I think it's over now but you know the unique thing about this tour was from the maximalism of the Yeezus tour this was just our dude on a floating stage with lights below it floating over basically a mosh people, pit yeah. and to for us I think we were both really just like moved and awed at the spectacle of people losing their minds in a almost in a in, no not almost in a punk way in a way we would see it like you know if you went to like the first Unitarian Church in Philadelphia yeah, yeah. for these songs and for this one guy it was um, I don't mean this glibly to say it's, it was quasi-religious that was intentional that, I mean it did look that, like a saint, church saint
0: was. is the key word there, saint yeah. is the
1: key word one thing though I wonder about Going forward is, I don't. I wonder what a reaction would be to that now because the 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 intensity and mania of of the um, Pablo record and mm-hmm. the Pablo tour and of Kanye the, the trip he's been on and been taking us on, it's so cerebral. It is so of this just in his head. Basically, we are willing. We are buying tickets to go along this journey with him, literally deep into his fucked up uh, psyche. It. it it's not communal, and, and I completely, one hundred percent disagree. I want to know this. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm. I'm just thinking stuff out. Loud. I
0: think that the two albums, Jesus and Pablo, are almost the soundtrack to that concert. Like the concert, to me, clarified mm. so much about the last two records. And you know, we're talking about rap aging people out and rap kind of like replenishing itself and. Almost equally strange to hearing a new tribe called quest record mm-hmm. was seeing that show and seeing kids whose mm. their relationship to kanye's 808 808s, 808s and after mm-hmm. and not us which is largely I think you know I mean it's the whole career, but we're defined by dropout and we were defined by black uh, dark dark twisted fantasy um, but those two records to see the way that, like, the beat drop in Blood on the Leaves or oh the God, that chorus good. of waves, it's almost like, I think there's a lot. I know that I personally, like, lyrically felt like Pablo was not his finest hour, mm-hmm. but watching it play out in, in, in a mass public spectacle, it becomes almost like those records are the sporting event and people are collectively gathered to mm. celebrate that event. So, it, to me, it was, it, it, you know... I did think it was quite communal. I thought it was so communal that he put himself in darkness up on that platform. He is not—that's a good point. the star of that show. It's he, the the people lights went on him. the people below yeah.
1: celebrating. it. So it's it. almost and, and, like and the star of the show
0: on... is listening to Kanye, not Kanye. And he oh, that's ri- and he'll be like, "You guys, we're gonna just keep singing this. All the best parts of his album, like the uh, the drop on famous, yeah, the drop on famous, um, the the chorus of waves, the singing all of." Uh, you know father like you know like wait and waiting for the, the 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 designer part to come in or not yeah it's it's just like crazy you know
1: it was it, it was kind of like a giant listening party in celebration of that i think that's a really i think that's a really good point and it, i think it's telling that he ended on ultra light beam mm-hmm. which is i mean the, i mean look this does not need to be said on this podcast i think pablo is the best album of the year i think it's the most interesting record of this year or many years um I guess what I what I was losing sight of was which way the lights were pointed on that rec- on, on that stage, and that you know the like the video for famous as an artistic statement is interesting. The stuff about celebrity is not as interesting to me as what he is what he does on the record with spirituality and like ultralight beam and and but it's also just a question of like what we're looking for at each moment. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. I want. I want uh I want Jerobi on the phone.
0: That's kind of what
1: I want right now. <laughs> I
0: can't give you Jerobi. I can't give you Robots Out West. So let's take a quick break from our sponsors for our sponsors and we'll be back to talk about Westworld. Hey guys, just want to take a quick break to talk to you about Casper. That's a perfect mattress that's sold directly to consumers, eliminating commission-driven inflated prices. Its award-winning sleep surface was developed in-house, has a sleep design, and is delivered in a small, how-did-they-do-that-sized box. They combine spring, latex and supportive memory foams for a sleep surface that's got just the right sink and just the right bounce. Plus, its breathable design sleeps cool at night to help you regulate your temperature while you're asleep at night. Mattresses can often cost well over $1,500, but Matt- Casper mattresses cost five. $500 for a twin, $850 for a queen, and $950 for a king. Buying Casper mattresses is a completely risk-free uh, venture. Casper offers delivery and free returns with a 100-night home trial. So if you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. Get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting www.casper.com watch and using offer code WATCH. Terms and conditions apply. We are also brought to you by Joyable. Do you ever avoid parties or not speak up in a meeting and then regret it later? 30 million Americans will suffer from social anxiety in their lifetime. And even if you don't have social anxiety, you likely know someone who does. And Joyable could help them. Their online program has helped thousands of clients overcome social anxiety using cognitive behavioral therapy, the leading treatment for social anxiety, according to all the major authorities. You get paired with a coach who is your partner throughout the program, and they tailor the program to your specific needs and keep you motivated and on track. It's available anywhere at any time. So you can access it from the comfort and privacy of your own home. Ninety-three percent of Joyable clients see a decline in their social anxiety after completing a twelve-week online program. The program is twenty-five dollars a week after a free seven-day trial, so about as much as you spend on coffee, takeout, or a night out at the bar. And it's only eleven percent the average cost of therapy. For our listeners, there's a special offer. If you go to joyable.com/the watch, you'll get an additional week completely free. That's joyable.com/the watch. Hello, Mr. Roboto. I love it. I can't believe you're... <laughs> so, uh, f- frequent listeners of the podcast know that Andy's sympathies uh, are, are maybe not totally geared towards robot. What? <laughs> robots. How dare you? Look, uh, I let's do it this way. I can talk, and you can ask questions as if you like this show as if like you're like 100% in on this show and I can just talk about like some of the theories and stuff that we're seeing and some of the, the kind of like and then and then you can and then it can it can be uh, uh, it, it, this is a hater free zone for two minutes or uh-huh. so and then we'll go into to, to your part how about that can I ask you one question first sure did you like this episode uh I really really liked Anthony Hopkins in it
1: Okay, me too. Yeah, that's and, nice. And Jeffrey Wright, I
0: thought like everybody was like, we can build it together. <laughs> we can make a coalition.
1: Um, I'll be Arnold though. I'm gonna go fucking rogue. Well, you know,
0: so so here's here's some stuff that's that's being talked about right now. <laughs> this idea. Yeah. There's two ideas that I want to discuss that I've read about. Some of it was in Joanna Robinson's excellent Vanity Fair piece that she's been she's been writing mm. these great great pieces about it. Are those on the internet? They are on VanityFair.com. Mm-hmm. There's also been some great stuff in Reddit. Excellent work by Reddit. Good job, Reddit. Uh, uh, I always like to shout out Westworld Reddit. Uh, so, number one. Bernard, mm-hmm. who we now know is a host. What? Is the the evidence is starting to build that he is also Arnold.
1: Well, because his name is a it's anagram
0: of. For Arnold, yeah. What's the guy's name? It's like Bernard uh, Lowe, Lowe, Arnold something, whatever. Right. Uh, there's a picture that Anthony Hopkins shows Bernard at one point that is like obviously supposed to be three people and it's Anthony Hopkins' father and blank person. Like nobody's there. But there's like evidence to suggest that he can't see things that hurt him. So that would probably be him. Right. Then there's coming out of this, there's also the three timeline discussion. So we have been operating under the assumption, not necessarily confirmed yet, but certainly hinted at. And if the way that the Bernard robot stuff like came through, I think that this is probably the case, is that there's at least two timelines, that Jimmy Simpson is a younger version of Ed Harris, and I think that obviously he and Dolores, William and Dolores, are going somewhere where there will be... He is going to lose something, whether it's Dolores or his faith in humanity. He already
1: lost his shirt. He already by lost the his way, shirt. Jimmy good. Simpson,
0: get that core work, dog. Look, way to go, looking bro. Looking
1: good, Simpson. Yeah, every,
0: come a long way since playing with gerbils on House of Cards. That's what
1: I was going to say too.
0: Or drinking milk on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Good for you. Um, he is going to have something happen to him now that they've gotten to this special place, or they're arriving at this special place where no, only you have to ask the dusk. Nothing ever comes back from Ghost Nation. And uh, whatever happens will turn him into what Ed Harris has become, which is somebody who's obviously trying to basically destroy Westworld slash never leave there, and a guy who likes to wear day scarves. Yes, yeah. Um, quick note to all those involved involved with Westworld. Love you guys. Mm. The Gatling gun thing. Yep. Is 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 like a weird touch where like that's just like something that happens every episode.
1: Yep. Didn't need it two weeks ago. <laughs> um,
0: so there's that, but. This idea that there are three timelines. So what's the third? It's the scenes in which Bernard is talking to Dolores. So the idea is basically uh, that Bernard is Arnold, I think, in those scenes. And that that is like the original moment that Arnold notices that there is this potential for or this need so he, for. is he
1: a host then or is he? No, I don't think
0: so, personally. You think, I think so that there is an that... argument that he could be. But him, when you're like, why is he giving her Alice in Wonderland? Wonderland? Why is he talking to her in a way that might um,
1: cause chaos? Cause
0: that kind, of, these reveries that I, they eventually I, have.
1: I would like to say that I, I almost hope that's the case because otherwise, the logistics of how did they pull her out in the middle of these different scenes? Yes. to have those conversations, it yes. works better if those so are so. I don't temporally distinct.
0: I don't know whether or not. Here's here's the issue is that Westworld is very interesting, but I don't know if they're entirely of control of it. I mean, the showrunners and like the way they're making it. It's it's a very I think it's a really entertaining show that is very interesting, but sometimes I don't. Whereas there are some shows where you're like Breaking Bad. This is like a, a this is like a perfectly made watch. You know, yes. And well, every gear is ticking in the, the right direction. With Westworld, I'm like, did did you mean to do that or is this an accident or why I, I think, are some of these people about behaving like they're think on completely different Think shows? about it this way.
1: Resources are limited. That is a thing, that's if you work at the Delos Corporation or if you work on planet Earth, right. or whether you work in TV, whatever. Um, Mike Scher from Parks and Rec in the Good Place once told me that like, to be a showrunner, you can probably do maybe five things well. But okay. you have 15 things that you have to do every second of every day and you have to choose and you have to delegate. Um, my fairest most generous reading of Westworld is that all of the time they spend doing this very difficult I I don't it's going to be dismissive if I say trickery but narrative play or whatever they're doing basically and if it turns out there are two or three timelines layering those, thinking the consequences sure. of them through, building it out.
0: Telling the story of what is essentially like a genre story by, and giving it this sort of almost metaphysical, philosophical weight by telling you, it in these, these this way.
1: Doing all of that requires burning a lot of resources. Mm-hmm. And when you use your resources to do that, you end up with things like the writer character. Yes. You end up with things like whatever the fuck Tessa Thompson was doing last night. Now, shouts to her. <laughs> I love her, whether she's explaining Johns or writing s- sex toys, yeah. whatever she was doing. I think she's great. I think it's cool that they got her to be in this show. But what was it that she's doing? Because I'm trying to figure I, it I, out. I, because... I just want, here's, here's what I want. And, I, and I, want to, I feel like this is a fair comment to make. If there's a show that is questioning the nature of humanity, there should be, as our, our boss Bill Simmons likes to, likes to say, a czar of common sense on set. To be like, I know what you're trying to do here, and I get it in the outline of the script. But young CEOs generally don't sport fuck robots in hotel rooms and then open the door naked. But why that's, that 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 I'm just like, you know what? Nobody does that. So one
0: thing, one that's, reason that, that's why human she behavior. would nec- One reason why she would be, why she wouldn't care what Teresa sees is if she knows Teresa's going to die. So she uses the words blood sacrifice. Ugh,
1: she sure does.
0: And so does Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. So that would somewhat explain, like, here you are, and now I'm going to send you into this mousetrap of trying to uncover
1: slash sabotage Ford. Wasn't the robot watching? The sex robot, in that case? I mean, anywhere there's a robot, we assume that he can... I, see, I'm good at watching the show, but I also think. <laughs> but I also think this. Um, I also think you, you just resources got
0: spied on by a sex robot. <laughs> What's up with you?
1: you doing? <laughs> just got spied on by a sex robot. AMA. <laughs> Catch me on Reddit. Um, no, I, I, I think that it, also this idea of um, you know where you where you put your resources, eat, some other things end up being thinner or less satisfying than they ought to be. For example, the end of the episode. The moment when she says, what about this door? And he says, what door? Yeah. That's terrific. That's dope. That's dope. That's exciting. Like, that's one of the moments uh, on the show and, you know, it's similar to moments on in, in TV shows and movies where you get excited. Mm-hmm. We we know, when you we get really—and that, that reminded me of Lost, where all of a sudden you, yeah. someone says something and you get tingly, like anything's it's possible. It's like a really
0: cool Tower of Joy moment, yeah. But, I mean, not that big of a deal, but it's still—
1: But I think other than that— I think the end of the episode and the reveal revealed that we all knew was coming, so it better be, you know, dramatically viable because we—it's not really a surprise at this point. I thought they botched it. I thought it felt weak. I thought so it felt diminished. you feel,
0: you think it felt weak because there's actually no explanation? We don't really. So if there's either there's one of two things happening. Either they don't really know who are they setting up here. Are They setting up the corporation who is basically like we're disent. We don't have any interest in this tourist trap. What we like is this IP because probably we can build super soldiers out of hosts. I mean, like, if I it's always those, what happens, or, man. You know, s- space miners or whatever the hell they want to do, or is it Ford who is like, I'm actually God. This is my world, and there is a natural to every season th- thing going on here, where there's a harvest and a flood and all that, and the Del- Delos company's participation in this cycle. Is a necessary evil that I have to like these, you know, because he was. I think he says he has made comments, just like he said to Dolores, yes, we've met before, this has happened, but like suggesting almost this has happened before. Mm-hmm. He says to Teresa, like, this is like kind of every once in a while they send somebody yes, to test happens. me, and you got close. But not that close.
1: So then the the board is like, well, you killed another one, Bob. Well, we'll I mean, he's
0: making a, a bot in that basement.
1: Oh, is he making he's her cooking
0: up some mixing up the medicine? Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if 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 Teresa is back.
1: One other question I have, and I I do not intend this to be a direct criticism, Teresa, right? because um, sure, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yes, I mean, I think so. Um, I do not mean this is a direct criticism of this episode because there there, there will be more episodes with which you know, in which to explore this. But one thing about last night that, that I, I, if they don't acknowledge this or, or write towards this, I think that the show is lacking because, you know, every so often, again, resources, it suggests something that's kind of compelling, but because there's so many moving pieces, they steer, what they move away from the part of it that's interesting in service of all the other things they've got going on. It's pretty uh, noticeable That on a show with, well, there are no other African-American actor, men in the cast, Mm -hmm. that essentially Bernard is revealed to be his slave who does physical labor and brutal things on his behalf. Uh, It's not the reading I gave it. That's (laughs) one of the things that came to me watching that final scene. Now, I'm not saying that that's, I'm not using the problematic word. I think that's interesting. Mm -hmm. That's a compelling thing you know is it is it is it um you know author and character is it master and slave what is this relationship mm-hmm. so they've but they've gone there you know that's something that they've opened up at least to to me and potentially to others i don't know because i don't read the internet anymore right. but will the show have the um Narrative stones, basically, to, to continue that thought, or is it going to be, or is it going to default to this other stuff? Like, or is it, does? it just going
0: to be an accident of casting, right? Yeah, whether
1: well, they don't acknowledge right. it because so, like, they're moving if
0: Bernard on. was played by Sam Rockwell, like you probably wouldn't, yeah.
1: Yo, <laughs> <laughs> I would watch that. But also, you know, it, it it's just I'll, I'll, instead of I'm not damning it one way or another because they could still address that in a way that might be interesting, but. Um, I do think the show often defaults to things that aren't as interesting. Well, we talk about three... and, 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 and the example that I would use is, I I, I don't care about Jimmy Simpson. So that's and what Dolores. I was going to say. Is
0: we talk about three timelines. I think the bigger issue, either the bigger issue for the show, which is either really smart or really dumb, is that they are making at least three different shows. And I don't mean just mean like three different timelines, li- story storylines, or timelines or anything. Like I mean three different com- completely different sensibilities. There's an airbrushed weird plot of Dolores and Jimmy who speak almost entirely in Hallmark greeting cards to each other and have these Harlequin romance novel yeah. scenes of making out and and like getting ready in the morning and having seemingly impossible escapes from and, and odds and there's this whole plot line with the Confederados and the, like the the border so like, and, guess who's
1: back yeah like, well oh, really? it's just sort of
0: like I just like do we am I supposed to really know what's going on here or like invest in that so there's that there is the frankly quite amusing and, and like well done mave plot with these two dipshits who she's working with um but who you're not really clear on why felix and what's his face are helping her or are swearing so much and seem so bad at their jobs so agitated yeah, was right. so agitated um and her sort of like escape and that is a very typical sci-fi show I like that show where it's like escape from New York you know it's like escape from the basement of Delos and then what you know then that that has a ton of possibilities and then there is the Cronenberg like psychologically thrilling Anthony Hopkins Jeffrey Wright and Anthony Hopkins and Jeffrey Wright are both bosses, and they They really are doing a lot with a a very confusing plot line. And this is the first lecture shot we got of Hopkins this week, and I have to admit, he still has his fastball. Like That was
1: pretty awesome. I I really appreciate the points you're making because it suggests suggests a failure of execution, not ambition, because any one of those shows um, that you're mentioning, whittled down to the essence is you know it's promising mm-hmm. and I think there are I think I think the Maeve pr- plotline has generally been the have best have you started plot, to like get the, into
0: the Maeve plotline because I know you were just kind of like yes. I don't really
1: know what the no 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 yeah. that one I think is the, is the most compelling one week to week moving forward you know because she is because you know and, and maybe this is this is basic of me but like she has, she has she we know what she wants yeah and she's exactly. gaining and cha- growing and she's and changing. actually
0: remembering who she is on a day to day basis and that was actually the, the, a cool thing when he was like you can't keep doing this like the they'll pull you out yeah. if you keep doing this every twenty four hours they'll notice you
1: know the the Hopkins and Jeffrey Wright stuff I mean they're playing they're they're playing it to the hilt you know but not, we're not getting a hundred percent of anything mm-hmm. and and it's getting watered down because of it
0: yeah they could probably stand to have like a more of a, a a bottle episode about some one thing here
1: also it's just hard to get exercised about the corporate IP in the company I mean it's too clever by half because I guess one of the reveals will be if we're headed where we seem to be headed that the corporation in question is controlled by Ed Harris slash Jimmy Simpson, and that, you know, the, yes. the, his interest in it comes from and an engagement his, with His Ford return
0: and... is basically to get what he believes he's rightfully
1: bought. Right, and yeah. so then it becomes one story. To destroy it, I bet, because of Dolores, but... But, but it, so then it really is one story, and, you know, presto chango, it's been one story all along, and aren't we all dazzled? But, you know, this is, it's a chore to me.
0: This it, show's been pretty popular,
1: I think. It's been it's been quite popular. And
0: obviously, it's become a sensation in terms Not of Not renewed yet, which is it interesting. It did get renewed today. Oh, it uh, did? Divorce from re- uh, Westworld Insecure. Um, so this is what happens when I don't look at in the internet. I'm, I'm here to tell you. I, I mean, should be your internet. To be clear,
1: there was no question... I should question. be your Ask Jeeves. That would be amazing. <laughs> to be clear, it, it, there was no question... I didn't mean to say that to be... No, you know. I know.
0: Well, the thing is, is that we've talked a lot about... uh I'm trying to remember the last time this happened... Where we were like, yeah, they're really – now they have to play out the string a little bit more. This has become too big of a project to just be like over in 10 episodes or something. Robot. Mr. Robot. Robot. Yeah. I guess Robot's an example of that where – I mean, if Westworld is what Westworld is, they can't wrap this up in episode 10. No. Nor can they have to wrap – I mean, they can change it, and I think that that is – that is something that they have alluded to. They have alluded, you know, there's there's what's going on at Dallas. What happens if Maeve gets out? What happens if there's all these other... Who are the neighbors that Anthony Hopkins refers to? Is it other theme parks? Is it rival... What
1: what planet are they yeah, on? Yeah, what planet all are, are they things? on? What year
0: is it? There's no disease in, in the real world or in the real world anymore. What does that look like? There are all these things that they could uh, grapple with. First, they have to wrap up these three plots.
1: This could be an, an example of... Um... You know, there are, there are, there are shows that I that you and I like very much that come in so hard because they've got um, such a complete thought for a first season. Basically, Mr. Robot was one of them. Um, yeah. Oddly. And I'm going to be talking about this with the with uh, the show's creator. Um, I think we we'll posted. I think it's posting next week. But something like you're the worst, which is a weird comparison for Westworld. But, no, but it's like but, that, but that. That's they, a pitch they, that
0: you're like, okay, now we get to the top of this building while you're telling me what it is, and I'm like, what happens next? Then what? Yeah. And so
1: then you can then what happens next is often bring us all the way back in the conversation. That's what if when things
0: the
1: get. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you would have done as Hollywood fixer. <laughs> but we come all the way make full we make a full circle in our conversation because that goes to the idea of like figuring it out in real time and watching it, and that can be very mm-hmm. creative.
0: We'll why has he got to be so robotic? What if?
1: <laughs> what if, though, yeah. um, Westworld is, ends up being one of those shows where the, they accidentally put the throat clearing into production? What I mean is all of this season, to me, feels like heavy labor. Watching it is heavy labor. I yeah. don't enjoy it. But all of the possibility and all of the, the, the theories that you supply me with— Fill me with optimism. This is why I
0: feel like the show itself is almost... Secondary? Well, it's like, you know, people will talk about, like, I don't really need to watch the games. I can just watch a YouTube clip and and read Twitter or whatever. It's like, in some ways, watching Westworld is only part of the Westworld experience.
1: So could that... So is it? So I guess what I would say is I almost feel weirdly more optimistic about a second season. I do too. It seems I think like also we,
0: it would probably. I mean, knowing that it, this is not a like I, we don't know anything about the actual behind the scenes story, but it was an expensive show that took a long time to get to it took air. Took longer than it should. Have. And theoretically, you know, they would take the lessons that they've learned. They would know what they people and they would see what people are obviously responding to. I would not expect necessarily any characters who are any more resonant than the ones that we already have because I think that people are responding to There Is No Door and, you know, Bernard's anagram name and Dolores maybe being alive three different timelines.
1: Do you... Would you be satisfied Mm -hmm. uh, with this season if the end of the season... uh, the reveals are what we all think they are already. Like
0: Maeve comes out at the fifty seventh and seventh f stop.
1: Maeve emerges into Billy Flynn's long halftime walk. Yeah. It's just like a long,
0: long He's Like cut,
1: cut, got it. Yeah. No, like if if the season ends with the um, revelation of the timelines as we suspect, yeah. I think that if, or does it need to get us, give us all that and then the last little. Oh, the light in the hatch went on, you know, to make the lost analogy. There's one more thing that's gonna to quote Steve Jobs, it's gonna keep us coming back.
0: Yeah, I, I, I like it. I like where you're going with this. I do think you need, personally, do you need the extra thing to be satisfied. Personally, I think that I hope that the people who are making this show are five steps ahead of the people who are watching this show in terms of figuring it out. And I hope they're yes. like, you guys are all right, and here it is, the culmination of everything you've talked about. Because if you have to wait a year for the second season to come back to answer to basically finish what people are already projecting. That Look, and that's just the game. If you want to not have it be that way, then like... Give us something else to look have at. David Milch write it. And I don't mean
1: that as a shot. No. I just mean just have have it have... You have to you know, give us something else. Then He's then Dylan,
0: the, West Dylan, they're going to win the States or they're not going to win the States. That's not why you watch Friday Night Lights. If you want to watch Westworld and you want to watch it for more than is it an anagram, what timeline is yes. it, then you got to have
1: the goods. This is not just a good ending to our podcast. This is the future of our country, I hope, because what we did today is we bridged a chasm. We bridged the
0: divide. Working across the aisle. Uh, Andy, I will not talk to you Thursday. No. Thursday, Sean Fennessy and I will be doing a special... Movies pod. well Mostly be talking about Arrival. Also probably Moonlight, Manchester by the Sea. Some Ooh, of the big save, movies save that me are... some Manchester
1: because okay. I, I saw that. Yeah, uh, I, I'm never going to recover. Just generally the year movies,
0: that. we did that big feature of movies. Yeah, because I'm package. out. I'm going. I'm going
1: to New York City, man. Bye bye. <laughs> That's it. That's how you end it. Cold World, Baranski <laughs>
0: Thanks again to American Express. Hey, American Express card members, you don't want to miss this. Now, through December 31st, there is a big reason for you to shop small at local stores in your neighborhood. Learn more and enroll your eligible card today at AmericanExpress.com slash ShopSmallOffer. That's AmericanExpress.com slash ShopSmallOffer. Terms apply.